But uh, it didn't take long before I really missed, uh, I really missed uh, being with people. And I missed having church. You know, Zoom was, was fun the first couple of times, but it got old really quick. And uh, I just missed being with people. You know, they did a study in a group of orphanages, actually, and they found that, that children and infants who were not held or had little to no human contact, that their mortality rate was actually 30% higher than children who were held. And so you may be hearing that and you may say today, you know, Daniel, I feel that way. I feel alone. I feel isolated. Uh, I feel like I'm by myself. I mean, I have a church family. I have maybe a family at home. I have friends. But uh, I feel isolated. I feel alone. Well, you're going to be able to relate to this leper this morning. Uh, Because this leper, and really all lepers, they felt isolated. And we don't know for sure, but uh, he would have felt this way, I'm sure, for a very... A very long time, probably for many, many years. Uh, This is a man who yearns for human contact. He yearns for uh, human intimacy. Uh, He desires fellowship with another person. And then one day, Jesus is going to come by. And what we're going to see is that when Jesus shows up, everything changes. And I want to ask you a question. Do you remember the time when Jesus showed up in your life? I mean, I remember just when I really gave my life to Christ and the difference that he's made in my life. It's been amazing that Jesus truly has made a difference uh, in my life. And what this leper is going to show us today, though, is two things. One, he's going to show us the seriousness of our own condition, okay, our sinful condition. And secondly, he's going to show us the solution to the problem. Okay, so here's the, the passage we're in, Luke chapter 5. And we're going to begin reading here in verse number 12. All right, Luke chapter 5, verse 12. The Bible says this, And it came to pass, when he was in a certain city, behold, a man full of leprosy. Now, this is really the beauty of Luke. You see, Luke is a doctor, and so he's giving a medical diagnosis to us here that the other guys don't. Because if you read the gospel records, you'll find out that Matthew and Mark, they talk about this same story, but they don't give this little piece of information And I believe that's because Luke's a doctor. He's giving this diagnosis. And he says this is a really bad case. This is a really serious case of leprosy. He's full of leprosy. And it says, Who seeing Jesus fell on his face and besought him, saying, Lord, if thou wilt, thou canst make me clean. Underline that word. We'll come back to it in a a moment. The word clean. And he put forth his hand. And touched him, saying, I will, be thou clean. And immediately the leprosy departed from him. And he charged him to tell no man, but go and show thyself to the priest and offer for thy cleansing, according as Moses commanded, for a testimony unto them. All right, let's pray together. Lord, we uh, thank you for your word. And uh, we thank you for this time that we have to just get away from... Everyday life, the hustle and bustle, Lord, the distractions, Lord, where we can really uh, enter in with your people and focus on you and focus on your word. So I pray that you would help us, help us to listen well, uh, help us to stay awake, help us to be obedient. Uh, God, if there's someone here that maybe doesn't know you as their Savior, God, we pray that you would save them. And Lord, please just, just do a work today that only you can do. And we'll thank you and we'll praise you for it. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 
All right, so two insights that we're going to talk about this morning. The first one is this. Number one, we see the seriousness of his condition. All right, the seriousness of his condition. I told you that I wanted to kind of step into his world. So for just a moment, I I want to try to paint a picture for you of what life would have been like for a leper. Uh, The disease that's in the Bible that's called leprosy, it's probably what we would call Hansen's disease today. Uh, Hansen's disease starts with yellow lesions all over the body, and it's on your joints, and it's on your face, and it, and it spreads very quickly, uh, just very rapid. And then what happens is your, your fingers and your hands uh, will begin to become numb, and your nose and your ears become numb. Your lips actually start to bleed. Your gums uh, will, will start to bleed. Your hair will turn white and eventually fall out, and it's just excruciating pain. And uh, the, the pain for a leper was just unbearable. Uh, they say that the average lifespan for a leper would have been 20 years of just unending pain. But really, the, 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 the problem with this disease of leprosy was really deeper than just the, the physical issue, although that was very unbearable. There was actually a moral judgment attached to leprosy, Uh, And this is what we have to just get our minds around, that the moral judgment was this. All his life, from the time he got leprosy, he was taught that this was actually the judgment of God uh, for his sin. And so this man here, we can see very quickly, he's in a conundrum where his, his sin actually, he's thinking, led to his leprosy, and he's being punished by God. Uh, one thing I read about a rabbi, he actually boasted that he would carry rocks in his pocket. And if a leper would ever get close to him, he would actually uh, could reach down his pocket and begin to throw rocks at him. And so there's this great chasm that we see between a leper and a rabbi. Really, rabbis wouldn't have anything to do or go, come in contact with a, with a leper, and, and the leper would never come in contact with a rabbi. Uh, lepers, according to certain protocols, they would have to adhere to certain rules because the people believe that this disease was very contagious. And so when a, a left, leper uh, left his home for any reason, he had to scream out to the top of his lungs, unclean, unclean, just so everyone around them would know, okay, this is someone who has leprosy. This is someone that we need to stay with. Actually, the law was he wasn't allowed to come within six feet of a person. And so if he disobeyed these rules, and, and this was the law at the time, okay, it was the right of the leaders to actually take him out in public and whip him 40 times on an already sore filled back. But the biggest issue for the leper, I believe, was this. He could never enter the temple. And you may say, well, why is that such a big deal that he can't enter the temple? Well, we have to understand that the temple was actually the centerpiece for all worship. I mean, if you can't go to the temple, you can't offer sacrifice. If you can't offer sacrifice, you can't have your sins forgiven. And if you can't have your sins forgiven, then you are just perpetually under the judgment of God. And so we feel the conundrum that he's in. He's a man who's been taught that it's because of his sin that he's being judged. And he can't go to the temple to make it right by offering a sacrifice to God. So this this man's whole life... He was taught that he's worthless and he's useless. As a matter of fact, they say the only thing that was worse as far as like defilement goes would be a dead man. 
And so this is essentially really just a dead man walking. Uh, The religious system actually prohibited him from washing his face. If you had leprosy, really, you weren't allowed to wash your face. They said you're never to wash your face because it was a perpetual reminder that he lived in this state of uncleanliness. Every time he walked outside, he was to put a cloth over his mouth so that he wouldn't infect those around him. And so here's what we have in this man. We have a a, a soulless, faithless, worthless, walking dead man. And I just can't imagine even what that would do to someone's psyche. You know, not, not just the health issues, but just all these laws and all these things he couldn't do and, and, and people's uh, perception of him, uh, just the, the mental state that he would have had. I can't imagine the trauma that he went through. And you're probably wondering, why in the world are, are you belaboring the point about this man's condition? Well, you know, the Bible is very interesting. Whenever we see uh, men in the Bible or, or experiences or encounters or healings, the Bible is actually teaching us on a different level some insights into different things that, that we need to know and that we need to believe. And one of the insights that we're learning here from this man is that he was, you know, of course, filled outwardly with leprosy, but his outward condition was actually a picture of his inward sinful heart. And why? It's because that's our heart. Right? We have a sinful heart. And you may say, well, what are some of the connections? Well, let me give you a couple of them. So, leprosy and sin are very similar. We see that in the Bible. Uh, number one is this. Lepre- leprosy and sin both lead to a depraved life. Or number one, sin destroys a person. Okay, sin literally destroys a person. Just like, just like leprosy would destroy a person's body. You see, in just sin in general, sin is... is that, okay, God set a standard for us of perfection, right? God has set a standard of perfection. And uh, God says, this is the standard that I have set if you're going to have a relationship with me. You fall below the standard, you don't hit the bullseye, which is sin, you're missing the mark, and then you're out of fellowship with me. This is why we need a perfect sacrifice in the Lord Jesus Christ. But sin is, is missing the mark. The Bible says, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, right? There's none righteous, no, not one. Uh, you know, we have all turned away. We've all become ungodly. So sin destroys a person. How does it destroy a person? Well, here's how. You may not actually die when you sin, but you feel like it at times. Have you ever been in just a season of sin where you feel like you're just in this death-like existence? I mean, sin will destroy you just from the inside out. Sin is a terrible thing. It destroys a person. Number two, we see that sin affects every relationship in your life, just like, it, just like leprosy would. Listen, uh, teenagers, when you sin against your parents, you know, you know this. Like when you sin against your parents or when you disobey your parents, things aren't right with mom and dad, right? There's a disconnect between you and your parents. Husbands, when you sin against your wives, or wives, when you sin against your husbands, particularly in the area of adultery or immorality, it severs the intimacy that you once had as a couple, right? And you replace it with anger and jealousy and bitterness. 
you know, if, if you're a couple uh, who's not married and, and you're engaging in premarital sex, listen, what you're doing is you're marring the image that God's planned for your life. God has this perfect plan of marriage between a man and a woman. And what you're doing is you're, you're marring that and you're creating depressive feelings and anxiety. And really you're minimizing not just your relationship with the Lord, but your relationship with each other. Uh, pornography is a huge thing. The sin of pornography or immorality. Uh, listen to me. Pornography is really the sin of idolatry. Do you know this? Pornography is idolatry. Uh, because the Bible says that anything we get satisfaction from or pleasure from other than God is idolatry. So when you look at an image or when you go to a website or when you watch a video, you're, th- those things have really become an idol in your life. And uh, you're bowing to that image in worship. And what you're doing really is you're, you're inflicting harm to your soul, harm to your emotions, uh, harm to your relationships, harm to your spiritual condition. Uh, so if you're in pornography, you have to understand it's really affecting not just you, but every single relationship you have in your life. And we could go on and on with other sins, but we know this, that sin will affect not just you, not just your relationship with God, but it affects your relationship with every single person that you come in contact with. Uh, number three, sin perpetuates isolation. It actually uh, continues to throw fuel on the fire of isolation. There's a great, uh, great uh, quote in the business world, and maybe you want to write this down. It says this, isolation is the enemy of excellence. All right, isolation is the enemy of excellence. If the enemy can keep you isolated, he wins. Right? That's why it's so easy to be tempted to just, man, I want to sleep in, I want to stay home, I don't want to go worship. Like if the enemy can keep us isolated, he wins. But really when you sin, you're isolated from God. You're separated from God. You're not in fellowship with God. And here's the fourth one, and, and this is the big one, and this is kind of where I want to land the plane, and we'll talk about this the rest of our time, but Number four is this, that sin has no earthly cure. Okay, sin has no earthly cure. None whatsoever. You can't be good enough to fix your sin problem. You can't know enough to to fix your sin problem. You can't even exert enough energy to fix your own sin problem. In fact, Jewish history, you have to understand this. In Jewish history, no man or woman had ever been cured of leprosy since Miriam. Okay, Moses' sister in the Old Testament. So since Miriam in the Old Testament, thousands of years before, she's the only known Jewish man or woman, okay, to be cured of leprosy. And I know what you might be thinking, what about Naaman? Well, Naaman was a Gentile, okay? I'm talking about Jewish, okay, Jewish, a Jewish person. And so the rabbis over the years deduced that only the Messiah, when he comes, he'll be able to cure a person of leprosy. This is what... This is what Jewish tradition and Jewish men and teachers would, would say. That only the Messiah, when he comes, he'll be able to cure a person from leprosy. So we have to understand the weight of this. This man has an incurable disease. There's no end in sight. He's untouchable to the world. But Jesus is going to come on the scene, and he's actually going to touch him. You see, the rabbis believe... Again, that the only person that could cure leprosy was one who could actually take on the leprosy. This is what they would say in their own words. Someone that would take on the leprosy and absorb the leprosy and then overcome the contamination. 
which leads us to the second insight here. The first one is the seriousness of our condition. Number two, though, we see the solution to his problem. And really, his problem is our problem. So let's go back and read verse 12. I want to show you a couple of little insights here that I think will be very interesting to you and and really eye-opening. And it'll help us to understand this passage a little bit better. Uh, This guy, I believe, is really a model for us, you know, when we want to get right with God. And uh, I know there are different people in here, different backgrounds and different circumstances and situations. But I would assume that in this room, there's someone who would say, Daniel, I, I really I need to be made clean today. I really I really want to be made right with God today. And so let's look at this this verse here again, verse 12. The Bible says, Luke five twelve, and it came to pass when he was in a certain city. Behold, a man full of leprosy who seeing Jesus fell on his face and besought him, saying, Lord, if thou wilt, thou canst make me clean. Now, this is interesting, and I always read the Bible like this, and I ask questions. And one of the questions that I have is, why, why did he say, heal me? You see that? He says, that, Lord, if, if you will, I know you can, but if you will, will you make me clean? Why doesn't he say, will you make me whole? Why doesn't he say, will you heal me? And he specifically says this phrase, make me clean. And this is why when we read the Bible, we really need to to slow down because all of these words, I believe, are very specific and they're there for a reason. And and there's there's meaning behind all of this. We just have to dig a little bit. And so this phrase, make me clean, this is he's actually talking about a ritual cleansing. Okay, it's more than just a physical healing that he's really asking for here. Uh, the man knew that Jesus knew that. He, he wanted a ritual cleansing. Why? Because he wanted, I believe, he wanted the presence of God. I believe this man wanted God's presence. He, want, he, he wanted fellowship with God. But we have to remember back, he wasn't allowed in the temple, right? He had no way to be right with God. And so this is what this man is, is really he really wanting. I mean, yes, he's saying, I want to be back with my family and I want to be back with my friends. And I, I mean, I want my disease to be healed. But I believe what he's really saying here is above all, God, I want your presence. I want your presence. And I wonder how many of us have missed the presence of God. You know, how many, how many of us have missed that? Uh, there's a time maybe in your life when you say, man, I was really on fire for God. And I was just really thirsting after righteousness. But those days are, are long gone. And you have sin in your life and separation. And you have bitterness and, and, and just sin and unforgiveness since then. And you've strayed. And maybe you're saying, hey, I, just, I need a fresh touch from God today. I just want a fresh touch. I need to be made right. You need a miracle today. You need healing today in your life. And what I love about this man, again, is that I believe he's a model for all of us. We have to understand, we think about this man's life. We can assume some things about a leper, okay? There are some things in that, that aren't in the Bible, but if you study history and, and, and read different writings, we can kind of make some assumptions of the way things were for this man. And... Uh, we can assume, I believe this, that this man had little to no theological insights, okay, because he hadn't been trained. Uh, we can assume that he, he hadn't heard the Bible because, why? Well, he wasn't allowed in the temple, so he never would have heard the Bible read. Uh, you know, people didn't have Bibles like we have today, where it's just in every home. 
You had to go to the temple to hear the Bible read. And so we can assume that he didn't really hear the Bible read, at least not very much. And um, he had no formal training. And yet, all the while, the Pharisees and the Sadducees, these religious leaders, they're criticizing and they're condemning Jesus. This guy amazes me. He has no training. He has no messianic theology. He runs to Jesus and he says to him, If you're willing, if you're willing, make me clean. I know you can, but are you willing? And here's what he shows us. He takes as much faith as he has, and he puts it in as much as he knows about Jesus. Right? So he takes as much faith as he has, which would have been very little, and he puts it in as much as he knows about Jesus. Uh, This is just an amazing thing. This shows us one thing. Salvation is not passing a spiritual SAT test. Right? That's not salvation. The Pharisees could have done that. Sadducees could have done that. Salvation is a a heart transformation that comes as a result of faith. And and, and here's a man who humbles himself. And here's the thing. You know, we hear this all the time. I I hear this all the time. You know, I can put my faith in Jesus when I have all my questions answered. And, you know, I've had people, I've sat over here in my office with people, and they just ask question after question. Questions are good. I welcome questions. We should always welcome questions. But they're, they're, they never want to be responsible for, them, for their own sin. And so they'll, just, they'll, they'll distract you with questions, right? Where did dinosaurs come from? And, you know, can, can God create a rock so big that he can't lift? And um, all these questions. And, you know, uh, who created God? And what happens to the man in the jungle who's never heard? And that's my favorite question, by the way. What happens, to, what happens to the person who's never heard the gospel? Where will he go? Will he go to hell if he's never heard the gospel? And my answer is always this. Listen, I don't, I don't know the man in the jungle. I don't know where he's going to go. I do believe this, that if, you, if he's never trusted Christ as, as his Savior, if he's never believed on Jesus for salvation, he will go to hell. But here's the question that you have to answer. Where are you going to go? Right? That's the question. What, you've heard the gospel. Right? Where, where are you going? And here's the thing. And wouldn't you agree with me? Many, there were many, probably many, many lepers that heard about this miracle and thought, man, I wish, I wish I would have gone. I wish that would have been me. I wish I, I, wish I could have met Jesus. And how many people were just paralyzed because of their unbelief? And if I just had my questions answered in intellect, no, that's, that's, that's why it's called faith, right? It's not sight. It's not understanding. And how many people here, I wonder, because of pride? Man, if, if I go forward in an invitation, what are people going to think of me? How, 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 many, how many people have let pride and, and arrogance keep them out of heaven? Um, so the question, another question that I want to answer before we close is this. Why, why does Jesus touch the man? Have you ever thought about that? Why does Jesus touch him? This is kind of interesting to me. You know, if, if, if leprosy is one step closer to a dead man, as far as on the defilement chart, uh, why is the holiest, most righteous, perfect human being, Jesus, touching this defiled man? And there could be different reasons, perhaps. Some may say, well, he was showing compassion. And I think that might be it. That, that's part of it. 
okay? But again, he doesn't have to touch him, right? I mean, we read the New Testament, we read the New Testament and know that. Jesus will heal many people with just a spoken word, right? Hey, it's already done. Hey, he, he, you know, he's been healed. Wait, what? You, you, you haven't even gone to my house yet. He's healed. He's done. It's done. So why does Jesus have to reach out and touch the man? Well, according to Jewish law, if his hand touches any part of this defiled man, they say that Jesus has to be isolated for seven days, okay, according to Jewish law. And I've heard this argument before, which really isn't a good one. Well, you know, he's above the law. He created the law. No, no. You have to understand, when Jesus, quote, breaks the law, okay, if we, you know, we see that in Scripture, he's not breaking the, the, the written law. He's breaking the oral law. Okay, this is the law of the Pharisees. It's a man-made law. So the law says if you touch a man, you have to be isolated for seven days, which actually I believe Jesus did. I believe he did do that. But this is what Jesus is teaching, okay, here in this passage. It's, it's more than compassion. It's more than concern. It's more than him just touching the untouchable. Listen, when Jesus touches this leper, I believe that he's going to teach us really an insight into his identity, okay, into Jesus's identity. This is a huge opportunity for him to say, I am the Messiah that you guys have been waiting for. Okay, this is a big opportunity for him to say that. Now, how do we know that? Well, the Jewish people have created something that's called the Talmud, okay? Not really, it's the Mishnah, but the Talmud comes out of the Mishnah. And really, the Talmud, is we can think of it as it's basically a Jewish commentary on the Old Testament, okay? And so this is out there on the internet. You can actually go and read the Talmud, and you can actually read, you know, the Mishnah on, online. You can look that up later. But these were, these were men and, and women, particularly men, who, who didn't believe that Jesus is the Messiah, okay? These are their writings. In fact, you know, before they wrote this, while they wrote it, even after they wrote it, even, even now, they still don't believe Jesus was the Messiah. But they did believe this, okay, because they did have the Old Testament. They did believe that Isaiah 53 gave them a clue to the role and the identity of the Messiah. Okay, so Isaiah 53, some of you are familiar with that passage. It's the suffering servant, and this is kind of the big picture of Jesus on the cross. And they actually said this by reading that passage, when the Messiah comes, now listen to this, this is interesting to me. They, they said this, okay, th- these are people who, again, they don't believe that Jesus is the Messiah. And they wrote these things, you know, thousands of years ago. But they would say that when the Messiah comes, his name is actually going to be Leper Messiah. Leper Messiah. And, and so in the Talmud, again, you can go and read it. His name is the leper, or they'll say this, his name will be the sick one. Why? They take it from Isaiah 53. Look at Isaiah 53 on the screen, verse 4. The Bible says here, Surely he hath borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted. Now, let's look at this verse. That phrase, he hath borne our griefs. Okay, if you look at the word griefs in the Hebrew, this is another word for sickness, Okay. This is what he's talking about. He has borne our griefs. He has borne our sickness. And he has carried away our sorrows or pain. Okay, the idea there is, is the word pain. And so he has borne our sickness and he's carried our pain. So they're telling us that when the Messiah comes, and this is what they've written, that he's going to absorb the sickness on himself, but he won't be sick. Now let me ask you a question. Isn't that exactly what happened in Luke chapter 5? 
I mean, he comes on the scene and he, 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 he's going to take this man's leprosy and take it upon himself. He's going to take the sin and, and absorb it into his life. He's going to take the man's separation and make him whole again. This is exactly, and this is so interesting, and we saw it in the video. This is exactly why, why, why Jesus says when he's finished healing him, he says, don't tell anyone. Don't tell anyone. And I've always been taught and I've always heard that, well, maybe he, he told people that because he didn't want his fame to, to spread so quickly to where it would be just almost impossible for him to do anything. And that may be part of it, okay? That may be part of it. But he says, he says don't tell anyone anything. In fact, he says, you have one stop. He says, go to the priesthood and show them what I just did. Now, why does he do that? Why does he say, go to the priest and show them? Because I believe this is what Jesus was thinking. Jesus was saying, hey, listen, I've healed you of leprosy. I'm going to teach you something. I'm going to teach the world something about my identity. You go and you tell the priest because he was thinking the priest should know, wow, this is it. This is the, this is the leper Messiah. This is the one that, that we've been waiting for. And you know what? They missed it. They completely missed it. And, and the crazy thing is, is that there are some people here who are going to miss it. Jesus comes to earth. He takes the leprosy. He takes the sin and the separation of this man. He makes him whole. When Jesus comes into your life, he takes your weakness upon himself and he makes you strong. Uh, he takes your separation and he makes you whole. He brings you close to God. Jesus takes death upon himself so that we could live, so that we wouldn't have to die. Jesus, who knew no sin, the Bible says, became sin for us. Why? So that we could be, become the righteousness of God. And here's the question that we need to answer. It's one thing that Jesus has absorbed my sin, but has Jesus absorbed your sin? That's the question. Do you know that? Has Jesus absorbed your sin? Has he taken on your sin. Listen, sin is going to damage your life today, and it's going to send you with damnation to hell tomorrow. Sin has repercussions for eternity, and if you're honest with yourself today, you might say, Daniel, my life, it's filled with lies. I'm eating up with gossip, slander, hatred, pride, anger, jealousy, fear, and some of you may have an obsession with violence, and some of you may let sexual things wander into your mind and heart. And you might say, Daniel, I am consumed with sin. I'm just consumed with it. My life is filled with sin. You want to know why the gospel is so offensive to people? And it is. The gospel is so offensive to, to, to people. And the reason is because no one wants to admit they're a sinner. Right? No one, not even you and me. Let's do something together. I'm, I'm going to say this, and I want, every, I want all of us to say this, okay, after I say it. But just the simple phrase, I am a sinner. Okay? Everyone say that with me. I am a sinner. I mean, you see how awkward that is? That, that you know, we just, some of us may say, well, you know, I'm not a sinner. I, I've trusted Christ as my Savior. You know, I'm a new creature. And, uh, and I get that. Okay, I get that. 
But even Paul said this. Paul said this at the end of his life, 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 15. He said, this is a faithful saying, that Christ came into the world to save sinners, of whom I am chief. Paul said that about himself. He doesn't say, I was the worst, past tense. He says, I am the worst. Now, I want you to imagine, if you had to say, I am a sinner, or I am a leper, or unclean, unclean, if... If everywhere we went, just imagine if, if that's what our life was about. It was just about broadcasting our private sins to, to everyone we come in contact with. I think that would change a lot of things, right? I mean, imagine tomorrow going into your workplace, and as soon as you walk in the door, you have to cry out, Adulterer! Adulterer! I'm an adulterer. I looked at porn last night when my wife went to bed. Or you go, your kids go to school, liar, liar. I just lied to my parents. Got away with it. I got them good. Slander, slander. I just slandered someone on Facebook before I came into the office today. I think that would change things. But here's the thing. We don't have to say that because God already knows that. And this is what's hard for us to accept sometimes. It's, it's that you and I are unacceptable. And here's what I know about the gospel. Before the gospel can have transforming power in a person's life, you have to first admit that you're dirty before you can really experience God's cleansing. And I want to ask you as as we close here, has Jesus cleansed you? Has has Jesus washed you? The great thing about Jesus is when when he comes in in and and he cleanses, he cleanses everything. He makes you whole. He makes you complete. He completely forgives. You know, all of us are going to stand before the Lord one day, and we are going to need to be perfectly cleansed before God will let us into heaven. And he's going to ask us this question, you know, have you been cleansed? Have your sins been forgiven? Have you trusted me as your Savior? I'm not going to show up and give a character reference. I'm not going to be able to come and speak on your behalf. Your parents aren't going to come. Be able to come and say, well, he was a good boy or she was a good you know, girl growing up. None of that's going to happen. Right? We're going to stand before God one day. Just me and him. And I'm going to have to give an account. And the only person who knows that you're cleansed is you and God. So I don't want you to miss. I don't want you to miss this moment. Could I have every head bowed and every eye closed? And we're just going to pray. And then we're, we're going to do some things here at the end. We're going to recognize our graduates and do all that. But... But I want to make sure we have time for this. How many of you would say, Daniel, as you were preaching and no one's looking around, and I'm not going to embarrass anyone. I just want to 